cars toppled, buildings entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. exciting episode of the Fire and Water podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the heroic Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. And I have no idea why I'm supposed to call you heroic. Folks, that was a plant. I was forced to do it against my will. All right, the reason... Why, why are you heroic? Uh, okay, the reason for that is uh, I was offered by uh, my friend and nu- nuclear sub... Uh, Corey Drew, who is known as C Drizzle on uh, Twitter, uh, to go out tonight and have drinks at a local bar and do Star Trek quiz. They're doing a Star Trek <sighs> quiz game. And I told him I could not go because I had to record the Fire and Water podcast tonight. That's wow. my sacrifice. Now, I don't want to use the word hero, but some people have. And who am I to disabuse them of that notion? So I'm the, the hero. <laughs> That's what I'm giving up for you folks. Was I think if, Corey calling you heroic doesn't quite count, but... <laughs> I didn't say he did. I'm saying others did. Uh, really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, so I'm just saying that this is it what is... I give up for you folks to do this show, is, uh, is, is an evening of Star Trek nerdiness and drinking. It is quite um, generous of you. Thank you. And uh, charitable, except for the whole fact that you had to brag and tell us about it so that, you know, point out how charitable you are. You've got to keep these it. things for posterity. I mean, you know, jeez. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we are back for another exciting episode of Who's Who. Not Who's Who. Not even remotely Who's Who. We are back for another exciting episode of Whatever Happened To, which is a backup feature in DC Comics Presents. We ran one of these previously in episode number 96 of the Fire and Water podcast, and it was very well received by the folks in the audience. So we thought, you know what? It's about time we do another one. So, uh, again, Rob, give us a little background. So DC Comics Presents did these eight-page backups. Around when when, were they, when did they publish these? They started in DC Comics Presents number twenty five, which was out in like I believe nineteen eighty one, and they ran for about a little under two years. And okay. they just featured a different character from DC's storied past. 
mostly written by Bob Rosakis, who was DC's answer man, but there were some other writers and a sort of a different collection of artists from month to month to month. And, uh, you know, they just, in a, in a time before, you know, the internet where you could look up things and even a time before, you know, crisis and all these, war, you know, universe spanning crossovers, you know, this was a, a nice way to sort of reflect on DC's history and bring some people up to date on what some of these characters were doing. Very cool. Awesome. Well, um, last time we covered Our Man and Sargon, and I mean, seriously, there was just a flood of comments from folks that either had read them when they were growing up, or were aware of them and wanted to know more, or just fell in love with the segment and thought they were so cool. So I'm, I'm excited to do this, and actually, I guess before we get going much further, we should probably thank our sponsor, shouldn't we? We should. This episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, folks, is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. In the vein of one of the topics we're going to cover, or one of the characters we're going to cover tonight, I am promoting Justice League of America, hardcover, uh, specifically Team History. Written by James Robinson, also famous for writing Starman and Firearm from Malibu, uh, why, uh, Malibu's Ultraverse. Artists include Mark Bagley, and <laughs> there's a reason for that too. Artists Mark Bagley and Rob Hunter. Page count 192 pages. Uh, and here's the deal. In, in, in this era of the Justice League, when he was writing it, this is issues 38 through 43, the, the JLA had sort of been removed from the table. So James Robinson had to put together a Justice League without the Justice League members that everybody knows. So he brought in Dick, uh, Dick Grayson, Batman. He brought in, um, uh, you know, I might be getting a little bit, I think what I'm getting a, a little ahead of myself. Well, I don't know. I don't know if this was the Dick Grayson or, or I think it was Dick Grayson, Batman. Either way, he brought in a lot of really unusual characters. He brought in, uh, Donna <laughs> Troy. He brought in Guardian, Cyborg, Monel, Starfire, Congorilla. Uh, and so forgive me on, on, Hesitating on Batman. I know Dick Grayson was definitely the Batman at one point in this series. I can't remember if it was at this point or not. Doesn't matter. Anyway, um, again, 192 pages, full color. Normally runs for $19.99. It's on sale for 42% off. You can get it for $11.59, folks. You love the Justice League. You love Mark Bagley. You love James Robinson, Starman. You love Congorilla, which is where I'm going with this. Pick it up, folks. <laughs> Uh, for me, uh, my plug uh, this week comes from Life, and that a, a couple of episodes ago on Views from the Lawn Box, Mike Bailey and Andy Leyland talked about uh, these this great run of Roger Stern, Captain, uh, Captain America stories, drawn by John Byrne, and specifically these ones where Captain America went to England and took on brother uh, Baron Blood, not Brother Blood, Baron Blood, who is this like a vampire guy, and he teamed up with Captain Britain, and they're, re- they're really, really, really good stories. And as I was listening to the episode... I was remembered thinking that I read that those comics uh, up at the mountains. My, you know, uh, many mentioned uh, mountain. Com- they were mountain comics, but then I looked them up on Mike's Amazing World and saw that those particular issues that Mike and Andy were talking about came out in March. So I'm like, wait a minute. I know I had them and I remember buying them, but I, they came out in March, and we always went in in August on vacations. So I was like, I don't understand. Then I remembered that Marvel put them out as a collected paperback, a black and white paperback. And that was the paperback that I bought when I was on vacation. And I went and bought that book again on eBay for three bucks. Uh, and I have it here. I cannot wait to re- deep, deep dig into it. So anyway, these stories that I'm talking about are, have been reprinted in the Essential Captain America Volume 7 trade paperback. 
uh, next to the art. The cover art is by John Byrne. It features reprints of Captain America's numbers 231 through 257. He takes on various villains like Machine Smith, Dragon Man, Batchrock, Mr. Hyde, and Baron Blood. Uh, guest starring Daredevil, Union Jack, Nick Fury, The Avengers, and The Hulk. Normal price is $19.99. Insult trade price is $11.59. That's 42% off. 12 bucks for 528 pages of Captain America. Patriotic goodness. These are great, <laughs> great, great fun stories and uh, totally worth it. Pick it up. You're starting to sound like me. <laughs> oh, that's not. I don't need to be I, I so insulting be- early on in the show. <laughs> Again, our thanks to InStock Trades, folks. Your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off. Remember, free shipping for orders of $50 or more. You know, it's funny. You, when you mention the Mountain Comics, you always sort of like comment about them. You always say, like, I may have mentioned or I have mentioned before Mountain Comics. I went back when, when we recorded episode 100 or released episode 100. I went back and re-listened to our very first episode just to hear oh, how, how far we've come. Um, no, we were better back then than we are now. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's interesting. Do you realize, like, almost all of our tropes came out in that first episode? Oh, God. Like, oh, no. Us sniping each other. You talk about mountain comics. Um, Did I really in the first yeah. episode? Oh, boy. We talk about some of the – somebody, I think Mara may be being hot. I mean, like, all – Slipknot gets mentioned. All these tropes that we've used over the last three years Beating are all into the in ground. the first episode. What's that? We're beating into the ground. <laughs> Yep. Anyway, uh, so there you have it. Okay. Well, let, folks, let's jump into this. DC Comics presents number 27. And this is going to be Rob. This story is Whatever Happened to Kong Gorilla? Everyone's favorite, as Shag said. You know you love him. Uh, this story is by uh, then regular uh, Whatever Happened to writer Barbara Zakis. Penciler Romeo Tangal, which is unusual. Romeo Tangal was really mostly an inker, but here he's the penciler. Uh, the inker is Frank Chiaramonti, Gaspar doing the lettering, Jerry Serpe, colorist, Julie Schwartz, editor, of course. And for those of you who don't remember or haven't listened to that episode of Who's Who, Congorilla was basically a uh, smooshing together of two characters. Because first there was Congo Bill, who was a kind of like adventurer, you know, African bush adventurer guy who was around in Action Comics in the early days. And then later, they gave him superpowers with the uh, help of this magic ring. He could trade brains with a giant... (laughs) (laughs) with a giant golden gorilla, which gave him the powers of a golden gorilla, which is, you know, who wouldn't want that? So anyway, this story takes place a couple of... I guess, I don't know how long it had been since we had seen Kong Gorilla at this point. I think it only had been a couple of years at least. So when we find him again... Uh, well, actually, before we jump to that, we're gonna we're gonna talk about how Africa has changed, and that you know the wild bush is now more of a civilized place. Uh, a bunch of uh, people that live there see a what looks like a comet streaking across the sky, and some of them believe it's a sign. One of them says it's an omen from the heavens that like it brings a message from the gods of old, and they're clearly a very superstitious bunch. There's a white man standing around watching all this. Now he's clearly not a native because he's in like a suit, and he doesn't and he's sort of bemoaning the fact that all these natives are believe in uh, ancient folklore. He goes to visit his boss, which happens to be Congo Bill, which is like they call him that, Congo Bill. And uh, <laughs> he's running – he runs this, this company uh, as they call it a large industrial firm. It might be the same company that TikTok Tyler worked at. I'm not sure. Mm, I don't know. I think they're in the diamond business. No, the, so anyway, he talks about the, – the, yeah, this is a superstitious bunch. And um, there is a – 
guy who works for Congo Bill named Mose. Mose, I'm not sure exactly how, M-O-S-A, I'm not sure how you say it. So they asked him, well, what is this all about? And they talk about that the, the natives believe that this is a comet. It's a sign of uh, power and wealth. And it is the sort of the harbinger of a silver gorilla. And there's this silver gorilla who's out in the bush who was demanding precious diamonds be brought to him as sort of an offering. Congo Bill is sort of aghast at this. Says, this is ridiculous. This is phony. He uh, has a meeting in front of all of his employees and says, uh, that fireball you saw last night, it's nonsense. It's myth. Members of his, of his crew, some of them believe in them, some do not. They decide, okay, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go find the silver gorilla that's out in the city. So they go out, they find the gorilla. They see that he's out there, and my God, it's true. Congo Bill decides, I'm going to investigate this. He puts on his ring, which means he switches brains with the golden gorilla. Of course he does. Yeah, and yeah, leaving his human body back in this sort of locked room. Because when he switches, when he puts his human brain into the gorilla body, the gorilla brain goes into the human body. So, of course, <laughs> leaving the gorilla a little confused as to why he's in a human body all of a sudden. Congo, Congorilla watches from afar. He sees that the Silver Gorilla is, in fact, a guy in a mask, and all of this is just a big scam to get diamonds. He then approaches the Silver Gorilla on stage using some fireworks to create a sort of a flash bomb. He shows up. Everyone goes, oh, my God, the Golden Gorilla, he's even more magical than the Silver Gorilla. They get into a giant fight. Congo Bill uses some wrestling moves to basically uh, knock the silver gorilla guy down on the ground. He pulls his mask off, reveals him to be, of course, just a fake, while the <laughs> the mob grabs him <laughs> and drags him off the stage. It looks like they're tearing him apart. Congo Bill grabs the diamonds, <laughs> and he says he's going to turn them over to the authorities. And the story ends that evening. Congo Bill has returned to his human form, and he mentions if those swindlers had done their homework, they'd have realized there isn't room for two intelligent gorillas in this land. Besides, gold beats silver every time. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, and this is, next, whatever happened to Johnny Thunder is the next issue. So anyway, that is what happened to Congo Congorilla. This story doesn't uh, kind of like um, the uh, Sargon one. It doesn't get too much into like where he's been. You know, all these years, it really just sort of acts as though he's just mostly been dormant. You know, like this guy has just not been a superhero, but doesn't really get into the backstory too terribly much. Um, it's a fun story. I have some thoughts about the whole Congorilla concept, but but Chag, what did you think of this story? Well, it's it's interesting. The reason I like it is because it, just what you said, it, it, it doesn't focus on why did he go away. It doesn't get hung up on an ending for the character. It's just another adventure. That's what I like the most about it. It's just another adventure of Congorilla. The, uh, <laughs> I have lots to talk about. I mean, just <laughs> how in-depth do you want me to go before you start talking about your stuff here? Uh, well, I, and how in-depth can you go in an eight-page Congorilla story, really? <laughs> I could talk about how the silver gorilla stole Jughead's hat. Yeah, yeah, uh, I know. He looks like he's wearing a Jughead hat, yeah. He totally does. And the gorilla's just – now, first of all, I should say I enjoy the story. It's fun. But I'm going to nitpick at the art because, like, the gorillas don't really look like what gorillas look like. Right. They, they look like upright people that are hairy. Right. You know, it's kind of how this is. And the whole idea of Conga Bill being possessed by the gorilla scares the crap out of me. I know. It's like, kind of a terrifying idea. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he looks so savage when they lock him up, and he's this poor gorilla trapped in a human's body, and he's smashing his chest, and how he doesn't rip his shirt, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's really creepy. And then uh, the only other real comment I had then was um, he talks about how the guy in the silver costume was a professional wrestler. 
and yet Kongorilla beats him with wrestling moves, which right. I thought was kind of surprising. So again, big picture though, I enjoyed it. It's fun. I it's a fun eight page story. I really like the aspect that it's just another adventure. Yeah, I mean, one of the things about Kongorilla that I was sort of curious about, I had forgotten about, and I went and dug up the Who's Who listing to see if this gave me any information. It really doesn't. When he changes brains, right? Okay. They talk about how the golden gorilla is like this rare creature. It's not something you see normally, which is why when he shows up, all the natives are like, wow, is a golden gorilla? Like, it's special, right? Okay. So when Congo Bill wants to turn, when when he's regularly Bill, where is the body of this gorilla being kept? Because it's clearly still out in the jungle. So is it just lying around? Like, is that... He's like the the golden gorilla is not running around the forest because if it was, people wouldn't think it was so special because they would. No, see it, it. it absolutely is running around the forest. Is it? Yeah, right. it just lives in the forest. In fact, he says it's a good thing the gorilla was nearby. Right, but I mean the fact that the people. No, it, it's. I guess. I con- guess he keeps himself hidden. That way, people when they see him, it's impressive. I guess. Yeah, it's kind of like a Sasquatch thing. I okay. You know, all right. All right. I buy that. All right. That makes sense. He's out there. He's doing stuff. Um, he's but, doing gorilla you know, stuff. Okay. He's wary of humans because he keeps getting locked in this ro- human world room, probably. So he avoids humans and hides in the woods and you know eats. All right. His well, that makes sense. Bananas. Okay. Yeah. All right. I buy that. I mean, one of the things, the reason Congorilla has any significance to Aquaman at all, I mean, there really isn't any, but in that, um, it was in. Um, during a section in uh, – during a run in Adventure Comics, Aquaman and Green Arrow lost their backup slots to Kongorilla. Uh, brief, <laughs> briefly, briefly. They, they basically gave Kongorilla like a tryout, I think of like a, a six months or something. And then clearly people were like, no, this isn't – you know, let's bring Aquaman and Green Arrow back. But, but for a while there, they were exchanging backup features in, in Adventure. So – and the, you know, the characters managed to, to hold on for a while and, you know – like I said, this is early on in this in this backup strip's life, so you know, writer Rosakis really wasn't trying to do anything super ambitious. He really was just telling a, a story about a character you hadn't seen in a while. Eventually, as we go on, actually, in the very next story, we see that some of the writers decide to take it a little further. Um, but this is, you know, it's a fun, cute little story that uh, we don't have enough of nowadays. I still think it would be fun to see little eight-page backups. DC tried that briefly, the backup thing. It didn't seem to last for whatever reason. Uh, but it's, 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 it's cute. It's fun. Well, part of it is I think nowadays is when they do a backup, their plan is to do an eight-page backup across three or four issues to collect it as a comic. Right, right. And, and that's not the purpose of a backup, really. I mean, it, it can be done. You can. But wouldn't I mean, this make a great trade, a whatever-happened-to trade? Oh, absolutely. That would be great. You know, I wonder if they're in the DC Comics Presents uh, showcases. You know, I think somebody told us last time, and I don't remember the writing and the answer on that. I hope they are. That would be fun. I mean, they were part of the book, you know. So yeah, I mean, it was part of the spirit of the book. Yeah. You know, by the way, we should talk about a couple different things here. Uh, we probably should have talked about it at the head of the show. But if you're a fan of DC Comics Presents, there is a podcast you should definitely check out by Russell Bragg. It's called the DC Comics Presents Show. You can find it at DCCP show.com and he's on episode 8 and he's covering DC Comics Presents in order so he's up to issue number 8 so uh, definitely check that out on the interwebs also worth mentioning it's always kind of fun to go back and look at the covers of the comics that these issue that these stories were reprinted in or not reprinted but printed so so again the one you just did came from DC Comics Presents number 27 and you know who the the lead feature in that issue was Yes, the Manhunter from Superman, well, Superman, of course, and the Manhunter from Mars, drawn by Jim Starlin. 
Yes, Fighting Mongol, which is a, a series that, oddly enough, I've heard a lot of people talk about lately. In fact, I think Michael Bailey and Andy Leyland talked about this one not too long ago because it was reprinted in um, an in a, in a, in a British annual of some sort. It's a great but, cover. Uh, great cover. Oh, it's really cool, yeah. And, and from what I understand, Superman's a complete jerk on the whole issue. Um, <laughs> and the one we're going to cover next, which is uh, DC Comics Presents number 28, which is uh, Superman and Supergirl continuing to fight Mongol. Uh, about War World, so that's a sequel to this one. So, fun. So, we're ready to move on? Yeah, well, I think we're going to take a break. Yeah, we're going to run some commercials uh, from some of our other favorite shows. We already plugged the DC Comics Present show, and we're going to plug some other shows that we enjoy. And when we come back, we will talk about, well, we will find out whatever happened to Johnny Lawman Thunder. Woo! I'm Mike Gillis. And I'm Casey Doran. And we want to ask you an important question. Are you sick and tired of other panel discussion shows wasting your time droning on and on about foreign policy, economics, and human rights? Or do you want to hear conversations about things that actually matter? We host a podcast called Radio vs. the Martians. Every month we gather a panel of our nation's finest minds and plunge a rusty prison shank into the heart of tough questions that have an impact on the lives of real people like you. Like, are drivers required to pull over for the Ghostbusters? Is the United Federation of Planets actually an oppressive dictatorship run by guidance counselors? Is Arnold Schwarzenegger secretly a genius? And are we being mean when we laugh at movies that are so bad they're good? So write your congressman and let them know that Radio vs. the Martians is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and on RadioVsTheMartians.com. Tangent, an abrupt change of course. Tangent, to go off suddenly in another direction or on a different line of thought. Tangent, a comic event featuring brand new characters with very familiar names. I'm waking up to ash and dust. I wipe my brow and I sweat in my rust. I'm breathing in the chemicals. Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Find it bi-weekly on iTunes and at greatcrypton.com. In the Tangent Universe, you only know the names. Alrighty, here we go. We're going to talk about Johnny Thunder. Let me tell you, I had never even really heard of this character. Um, I mean, I've probably heard about him, but never really paid any attention to this character until we did the Who's Who episode, Volume 11, with Johnny Thunder's entry in the issue, with art by Gil Kane, I, I don't know if you remember, but I fell in love with that uh, that entry. It's a beautiful, it's, one of the best ones, uh, certainly oh from gosh. that that issue, maybe the whole series. 
So if you want, go back and listen to Who's Who, episode 11, where we talk about it. And then, a little bit later, I fell in love with Madame 44, her entry, also by Gil Kane mm-hmm. and Who's Who. And I was like, wow, I really want to read this stuff. Well, let me tell you, folks, this Whatever Happened to Backup was just such a treat for that very reason. So uh, I'm going to read you just a little tiny blurb at the top. So as, as we get going on the first page, it says, Without a doubt, DC's longest-running and most durable Western character was Johnny Thunder, star of All-American Western 100-126 through and All-Star Western number 67-119. through When last seen, Johnny was on the horns of a dilemma. Now, dot, 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 and near as I can tell, I guess this is picking up right where they left off. I think Jonah Hex might take issue with how. Yeah, it <laughs> I, but I don't know if I buy that uh, that Hex alleging. May have been fairly new in '82, though. No, he came in. He appeared in the early seven, like 1970. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. This is whoever wrote that, whether it was either the writer Mike Tiefenbacher or Julie Schwartz, is just totally biasing. <laughs> well, thank you for getting into the credits there. Mike Tiefenbacher is your writer, and I did a little research. I, I don't see any other connection with him uh, and this character. So, in fact, this is probably the first thing he ever wrote for DC. Prior to this, he had just been writing for the comic reader. So, yeah, he had a very brief comics career. Yep. Yeah, art by Gil Kane, famous for drawing Johnny Thunder's adventures back in the day. Lettering by Gaspar. Anthony Th- Tolan is colorist. Julie Schwartz editor. And it, again, it answers the question: Whatever happened to Johnny Thunder? Now, just to give you a, a little backstory here, you've got the two major characters are Johnny Thunder, whose real name is John Tane. His father is a sheriff. His mother, um, I'm assuming on her deathbed or when she was very sick, asked John to promise to become a school teacher and not a sheriff like his father wanted him to be. So he made that promise to his mother. He said, I will teach children the value that books are more powerful than bullets. And so later on, the dad wanted Johnny to, to become his deputy, and Johnny said, no, I can't do it. His father was very upset about this, but Johnny recognized his father still needed help. The sheriff needed help. So he donned a costume, and he would use this powder to darken his naturally blonde hair. <laughs> hey, don't laugh. It's the no, it's great. I, I, you know, it's, he's unique in the history of comics. He's the only guy like, I think that does this. Well, until the next character I mentioned. Um, so he would use this powder to darken his, his naturally blonde hair to become black, and he would wear a costume, become Johnny Thunder, and, and help the the sheriff fight crime in Mesa City. Meanwhile, there's also a character named, in the same storyline named Madam 44, whose real name was Jean Walker, or Jeannie Walker, either one, however you say it. She also used a powder to color her hair, <laughs> so that's why I say he wasn't the only one. Uh, I guess blonde... I meant sort of outside Western, you know, like, I'm, I know, <laughs> but, I'm but with okay. You. I'm with you. I do want to know if that powder was a real thing, so write in, folks, and let us know. Anyway, so she changes her blonde hair to red, and she dresses up in a white outfit and becomes Madam 44. And she was actually a bit of a, um, uh antagonist, well, not an antagonist, but she was a adversary for Johnny Thunder because she was a criminal of a sort. She was more like a Robin Hood figure. So even though the law was after her, she was really doing the right thing when she would steal from stuff. And Johnny Thunder in some ways reminds me a little bit of Daredevil in that he made that promise to his parent, you know, that he would not take mm-hmm. up a certain occupation. And in order to maintain that promise, they take on a secret identity. You know, it's very a lot a lot of similarities there between Johnny Thunder and, and Matt Murdock. So, so um, 
So that gives you the background. And part of the reason I said that is because I didn't want to have to deal with the flashbacks and the issue. I just wanted you to know that going in. So I can just tell you the story. So Johnny, John and Jeannie are both uh, suspect that each other um, have a secret. You know, John suspects that she's actually Madam 44. She actually suspects that he's Johnny Thunder. So there looks like they're getting ready to confront each other downtown about this. And suddenly, Silk Black robs a bank. And he's got a score to settle with Johnny Thunder. So both uh, John and Jeannie take off into their separate, you know, equivalent uh, Old West phone booths and change into their costume identities. Then there's a shootout in, t- in town with Silk Black between Johnny Thunder and Madam 44. And Johnny Thunder is winged in the shoulder. He's down! And so Madam 44 jumps on her horse and starts chasing Silk Black. Silk Black. Meanwhile, Johnny Thunder actually passes out. And the sheriff, recognizing that Madam 44 is a criminal, tries to arrest her. So... They all run off into the hills. You've got Silk Black running, the criminal running away. You've got Madam 44 chasing him, and you've got the sheriff chasing her. Johnny Thunder wakes up after passing out, and then he begins to give chase also up into the hills. As he comes up, he notices that Silk Black is about to ambush 44, Madam 44, and shoot her. So Johnny Thunder shoots at Silk. He misses, and it ricochets and causes a rock slide. Massive rock slide pouring down. Johnny Thunder and Madam 44 are in the way. They're going to die on their horses. They don't stand a chance unless they leap into the river with their horses to avoid the rocks. And they do so. Thankfully, everyone survives, um, but Madam 44 is knocked unconscious and is underwater. She's going to drown. Johnny Thunder pulls her out, tries to save her, gives her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation before there was such a thing. I think he was just sneaking some smoochies. She comes back to her senses. She has got a broken arm, and they are still pinned down by um, Silk Black, who's trying to kill them both. So they draw Silk Black's fire. The sky fills up with lightning, which lights up the hills. Johnny Thunder's able to see Silk Black and shoots him dead. They work together. So you, you have a nice moment of Johnny Thunder and Madam 44 realizing that, you know, yes, they were adversaries, but now they've worked together. And the rain pours down. The rain begins to pour down and actually washes the dye out of their hair and confirms both of their suspicions that it is, in fact, John Tane and it is, in fact, Jeannie uh, somebody or other, Jeannie Walker. And so they, they go into town. They go to see Johnny's father, who's the sheriff, to get Madam 44 pardoned. They get married. They have two beautiful children, Becky and Chuck, and they live happily ever after. And they continue to operate as Johnny Thunder and Madam 44, helping the sheriff protect Mesa City. Woo! Let me tell you, this is an awesome eight-page story. It is. <laughs> it's so friggin' good. It's a great little western. It's got Gil Kane art that's gorgeous. Like, well, I've talked for a while, so you tell me your thoughts. Oh, this is my favorite one so far of the whatever happened to's. Um, I again, Mike Tiefenbacher had a very brief career in comics. Uh, I haven't been reading ahead. I know he wrote some other ones, so I'm curious to see what these other ones read like because it's like on the basis of this. He should have had a much bigger career because this yeah. is a great – this is so much fun. It packs in a ton of action, a ton of characterization in just eight pages. Um, I mean it really is a whatever happened to two characters. It's not just Johnny Thunder. It's whatever happened to Madam 44 as well. Um, but to be fair, she was a supporting character in his strip. I guess so. She, ne- I guess she never so. had her own. But she, I mean, she got her own who's who listing at least. So, but I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. They're, they're, you know, they only had so much space. Uh, but it's just a blast. And part of it is the the artwork. I, I mean, I know I'm a bigger fan of Gil Kane um, than than you are. 
but Gil Kane in the 80s was hit or miss. Uh, sometimes he really sort of like banged it out and got the rapidograph out and was just inking like that. But this is great. I mean, if you look at just the storytelling in terms of how he composes his shots, this is like a master class on how to do comic book art. I mean, virtually every panel of all the action sequences, the, the framing has changed. There's long shots. There's close-ups. There's – I mean – it's ever. It is so excitingly told that you feel like you could use this as like storyboards for like a Johnny Thunder, you know, TV series or something. It is such a beautiful little compact story, and on top of all that, it does more than just give us another adventure. It gives us some history, you know, some backstory, and pushes the characters forward into the future because now they're parents. They're a little older, uh, yet it doesn't close the door on more adventures. I mean, this. This story makes me want to read a Johnny Thunder Madam 44 series drawn by Gil Kane. You know, Dude, it really does. You mentioned that I'm not always a big fan of Gil Kane in the 80s, but I do not have a single bad word to say about this. I have nothing but praise. You, you hit the nail on the head a lot more eloquently than I can say. This is a gorgeous strip. Every single panel is a win. This, is, this is, shows you exactly why Gil Kane is so respected. It's amazing. I, you know, I wonder now... Um, even though we don't have the solid writing, well, I shouldn't say solid. Not, even though we don't have the same writer, it may be worth looking up some of those old Gil Kane Johnny Thunders, because you know he did draw it, and I bet it, they're just as good. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would love to if they were collected as somewhere. I don't know if they maybe they have been. I don't know if DC has like an, an omnibus western thing. I don't think so. I think Johnny Hex, uh, Johnny Johnny Hex, Jonah Hex was the only one. I think maybe I could. Although I'm probably wrong. Every time I, I guess, um, I'm always wrong. I did a quick search. There were a few different folks that had Western collections. Um, Batlash has one. Oh, oh Batlash, uh, of course. Batlash Johnny, uh, Jonah Hex, I just called him Johnny Hex, too. Jonah <laughs> Hex has one. I don't think these have been collected, which is a crime, really, because this is so good. This, it, it's gotta, it leads me to think that there got to be some amazing stories out there. So yeah, I do have some like funny things just to pick on. Um, not so much that it's a bad story, just some funny little remarks like Thunder, uh, Johnny Thunder's horse. Yeah. Is black lightning, but he's, it's a white horse. And he's got a light. He's, he's got a lightning insignia on his forehead, just like Harry Potter. Oh, no, I did not even notice. He does not. He does. Oh, he totally does. In, in oh, the, that's in why the, he's black lightning. In the, in the flashback, which have rounded corners, so bonus points for that. We see the horse's head, and he does have a lightning bolt insignia. You are absolutely he's off to Hogwarts. Right. That is so funny. Uh, man, Jefferson Pierce has got to be pissed. Um, <laughs> then I love that the rain. Washed the hair dye, the hair powder, out of their hair, right? So they could reveal for who they were. Right. Never mind the fact that they both fell in the river. That's true. <laughs> that didn't wash the dye out. Yeah, that's the right. powder. It was the it was the light sprinkle that did it. It's acid but, rain or something. On right. Way. Yeah. What? A, it's fine. It just cracked me up. And then I like how it, there's a weird moment when they get married. The it's almost like a flashback of them getting married, even though it's in the future. Um, they got married in costume. Yes, they did. Yeah. But with their natural hair color. <laughs> so it's like everyone in attendance now knows their secret. So, you know. Yeah, what the hell, you know. And this is clearly where the uh, stringing together of a little too much continuity happens. Where, you know, his name is Tane. T-A-N-E. And Johnny Tane. And here they tried to tie in Chuck Tane, which is T-A-I-N. 
N-E, who is Bouncing Boy oh, in the God, Legion of Supergirls. Oh, God, you're right. That's Bouncing yeah. Baby Boy Chuck. <laughs> Our Bouncing Baby Boy Chuck. So they're trying to say that Chuck is potentially a descendant of oh. Johnny Thunder, which is a little too much for me. Thankfully, they don't come right out and say it. <laughs> it's just hinted, and it's a nice little, like a nod and a wink kind of thing. It is. But, and uh, I have to say, Madam 44, hot as both a redhead and a blonde. Just oh yeah. Saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. Smoking hot. So. Yeah, I, I read this I read this story, you know, of course in anticipation of us doing the podcast. And then I reread it like I think once or twice more because I just enjoyed it so like, I was just like, Good lord, this is a ton of fun. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, this is so much more delightful than even I I, I like the Whatever Happened New series, that's why we're doing these podcasts, but this one was just exceeded all my expectations. Oh yeah, it's it's such a, a perfect example of how the eight page format can work so well. Yeah, it, it's it's just a simple little story, but it's got so much stuff in it, and it's gorgeous, and it moves, and you, and you, things happen, and it matters. Oh, so exciting! Yeah, this was a great one. I like I've I got to catch my breath after that. It was so good. <laughs> All right, folks. Well. Uh, write in, tell us what you think of DC Comics Presents, whatever happened to Tell us what you think about these stories. Tell us which are your favorite whatever happened to stories, and we'll look forward to those. And uh, check out DC Comics Presents show in the meantime, and you can listen to that. Um, you know, I, I got something. Can I, can I mention something on uh, a project I got going? Let me guess. Hmm. <laughs> it's not the Legion of Super Bloggers, believe it or not. I bet it's something even more obscure. <laughs> Wait a minute. That implies Legion of Superheroes, who have been on a near constant publication for the last fifty years, is is obscure. Nice try, but no, they're yeah, no, they're not obscure. That was unfair. They're they're definitely not obscure. They yeah, had their own, they had their own cartoon series for God's sake. Yes. Uh, well, so did the next thing I'm going to talk about. That's true. So, um, because apparently I don't spend enough time <laughs> podcasting and blogging. And apparently, because podcasting about Firestorm and Aquaman together is not obscure enough, I am now involved in a effort called the Ultraverse Network. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to let you get it out. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, asshole. Um, <laughs> for those of you uh, who lived through the 90s and remember Malibu's imprint, Ultraverse, it was a hell of a lot of fun. It was like this shining star that blazed in the sky for a wow. brief period of time. It really was. It was, you know, where you had Valiant and you had Image and you had all these other universes that were cropping up everywhere. Dark Horse had theirs. This was the first one that touted itself as a writer's universe. Because back in the 90s, it was all about the artists, you know? And so these, this was the writer's universe. And that's what people recognized as. Now, there was, that's not to say there weren't some great artists. I mean, Norm Brayfogle is one of the founding fathers of the Ultraverse. But, um... So, and Marvel Comics bought the Ultraverse and then fairly quickly shut it down. So really, it only lasted, you know, from 93 to 97, but truthfully, the, the real heart of the Ultraverse was only like 93, 94. And um, so we, we, we're starting up a, a network. We, as crazy as it sounds, we have three podcasts going already. <laughs> Stop it! Uh, it's got David Gutierrez and I are going to be hosting the, uh, the core... I, the, it's not so much a core show. It's just a generic variety sort of show about the Ultraverse. Well, one week, we might, one week we might cover trading cards. Then we might cover particular issues, you know, whatever we feel like. Then we've got another show dedicated to Nightman. Then we've got another show dedicated to Solitaire. Uh, we're going to have a series of different blog posts. And some of the nuclear subs are involved in this, so you better watch your mouth there, sucker. Or uh, you might have a little revolt on your hands. So 
Anyway, uh, I'll give out more information when it's available. We don't launch till a couple more weeks, so uh, but. I'm excited about it. I think it's pretty cool. I'm still going to be involved with Legion of Super Bloggers. I'm still involved with Firestorm Fan. I'm still involved with Fire and Water Podcast. I'm still involved with my family, for goodness sakes. Not that it feels like it. But, <laughs> nice order uh, of the list there you just did. Well, I just realized at the end, that's the next comment everyone's going to make. Do you make time for your family? Anyway. Uh, so that's a very good I'm imitation just, of Frank. You like that? I'm just excited. Uh, I think this is I so I can tell. Cool. It's, uh, it, it's like I'm laughing because it's – it is so obscure, but man, there is so much love for the Ultraverse. There's this great Facebook group, and uh, like the creators and like the the original editorial people of Ultraverse are on there, so we, we communicate with them on a frequent basis, and it's it's just a lot of fun. It's cool. So some, someone referred to it as the story of the death of a universe, except the universe won't die because the fans won't let it. So okay, anyway. That's what I got going on. Very exciting. Um, I should mention, I don't have anything as cool as that going on, but I should mention, I keep forgetting to in previous episodes, uh, the Fire and Water nuclear sub-pins are back in stock. Uh, I've had them for a while, actually, and I just kept forgetting to mention it. So they're, they're back in stock. So if you uh, want one and you have not gotten one yet, please send us an email. Just put the word, like, pin or F&W pin, just something with the word pin in it so I know where to put it in, the, in our little folders. Uh, to and it's send, right, right, right in the trash. Right, right in the trash. Uh, send an email to firewaterpodcast at comcast.net and request your pin. And if you live in the United States, you can get one. We're not quite ready to send things overseas or internationally just yet, but we're sort of working on that. But uh, if you want a pin, uh, shoot us an email and let us know, and I'll ship one out. So you've just pissed off all of our Canadian listeners, and there's a ton of them. We I, have, I think, I, I think I, seven. It's, I think 7% of the Canadian population listens to our show. It's not intended to be uh, anti-international. It's just it's a little expensive to send things overseas. That's all. Well, I, what I think we're going to do is – Or across borders because, of course, Canada, as far as I know, is not overseas. We're, <laughs> we're going to set up a smuggling ring of people that will smuggle them across the main border. We will trade, uh, we will trade uh, non-generic prescription drugs from Canada for foreign water pins. I was just going to ask for Canadian bacon, but okay. That, that works I'm a vegetarian. I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> More for me. So. All right, Rob, why don't you tell people where they can find the Tumblr where we'll have some of the images from these uh, Whatever Happened to comics. Uh, that is fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. Awesome. Folks, uh, you can check out Rob over at – well, why don't you tell them, tell them where – all the since I rambled on about my stuff, tell them where they can find you, all the other places. Aquamantrine.net on Facebook and Twitter and Google+. And Hey Kid, Hey Kids Comics, and there's Hey Kids Comics. Oh, and I really just started rebooting my Power Records blog. That was even during the the introduction of the Power Records podcast. That blog laid dormant for years because I just never really got around to redoing it. But it's now been completely refurbished. All the links work, so all the audio tracks are there now. And now they don't auto play anymore. I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> setting that up. Like, I, was, I was like a crazy person making things except for autoplay. Um, so yeah, the power, which is power record. It's just power record. Not z because some asshole took power records. It's power record. Dot blogspot. Com. And that I'm, I'm adding new content to there all the time. And, um, working on making that thing as complete as possible. I was so happy the other day. I typed in Power Records in Google, and my site was the first thing that came up. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it made me so happy. So that, that blog is, is totally refreshed and up-to-date. I forgot to mention uh, it was the only thing that came up as well. Oh, no, that's not fair. No, Talk so, about obscure. <laughs> uh, hey, it's got Superman and Spider-Man and Batman. Isn't that obscure? 
uh, right, Star I mean, Trek. I mean, they had it, big just, ticket things. Well, it's just kind of strange that, like, uh, for something that they made so many copies. Of, by the way, I saw a ton of these things uh, when I was in um, Portland recently. Okay. They they weren't so much the power records. They were like the Peter Pan stuff. But mm-hmm. anyway, for, for a company that produced so many of these things, it's shocking that you're the only thing on the internet about it. Well, I'm not the only. There are other sites. There are other sites. Really? Yeah, yeah, there are. There's one called okay. the There's one called the Power Records Plaza. But uh, in terms of having the visuals and the, the audio, my site is the place to go. And uh, it, the whole reason it got rebooted, funnily enough, because there was another podcast. I'm blanking on the name at the moment, but they had Neil Adams as a guest. And mm. yeah, I know that's like a pretty big get. And they were talking to Neil Adams, and they apparently brought up Power Records. And he said he was going to the the guy. His name is Joe. Uh, said, hey, I'm going to be interviewing Neil over the weekend, and I'm going to mention your Power Records blog because we're going to talk about the Power Records. He's like, "Have you? Up- are you planning on updating the site? And I was like, oh, geez, I meant to. I haven't gotten around to it. And then I'm like, I don't want him to point Neil Adams to my blog now because it sucks, and Neil will probably get angry at me, and I don't want Neil Adams angry at me. <laughs> so I basically spent like a really long Friday night just refurbishing the entire site. And, you know, it did give me pause. Of like, what kind of nerd life am I leading here that I'm spending late Friday night re- refurbishing my power records block but i did for, it anyway for fear that neil adams for will fear be that neil adams will beat me up i mean he's an old man but he probably still could do it he's um, gonna he's gonna throw you in the center of the earth that's full of water quite possibly um <laughs> but but nevertheless i did it and now the blog is is up and going and everything is all so much easier to work with and i'm, I'm really kind of proud of it because it's like i love those things and a lot of people love those things and it kind of deserves that that treatment so if you like the power records you can visit my blog and without the fear of autoplay. <laughs> I'm really glad you fixed that. Because that drove me nuts. I didn't know what I was thinking. I, I apologize. I'll start playing at the same Complete time. Complete idiot. Like, ah! Complete moron for doing that. I apologize. <laughs> well, um, I guess. Oh, uh, what else did I mention? You can find me on Who True Freaks on the Two True Freaks Network. And all the other stuff I mentioned. Firestorm Fan. You haven't mentioned that yet. Well, I was getting to that, yeah. So you can find Firestorm Fan at FirestormFan.com. You can find me on Twitter Tumblr, Google+, Instagram, and something else. Uh, <laughs> Facebook, all under Firestorm Fan. And uh, Rob's told you how to reach the show, so that's it, folks. We're out of here. Uh, thanks for listening, and fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! Congo Builders, if you didn't know. Andre Bokar, at your service. Mr. Bokar, what's your business? Beside attempted murder. Oh, no.